God through Christ the Lord, giving thanks, giving thanks to God through Christ the Lord. Hallelujah! Loud, really loud. Hallelujah, this. Hallelujah, 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 as loud as you can. Every, go. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay. Glory to God. So that's, that's what my prayer time was like between 7 and 8 o'clock this morning. But I tell you what, if you ever want to just get freedom to pray in the Spirit as loud as you want to, just go to a bunch of people who are already praying as loud as they want to in a different language anyhow. <laughs> Um, because it just really sets you free, you know, just really sets you free. Glory to God. That was awesome. That was awesome. Okay, I'm going to, sh- wait. I did something. Went to see. Uh, no, it's not broken. It's just, you have to punch certain things a certain way. Okay, found it. <clears throat> All right. Tell me this. I'm going to show you this. Okay. Um, tell me what this is. Somebody says a coin. What? A coin. Coin. Gene said. It might be. Okay. So, uh, this is. This is actually called, if you want to know the technical name, a bula. B-U-L-L-A. A bula. And, but it's a seal. It's a, it's a seal. Here's how it works. It's made out of clay. And, and back in the days before people used wax to seal important documents, back before there was um, the internet, um, if you wrote an important document to somebody and and you didn't want anybody to read it, you would, it, was, it would usually be a scroll and you would roll the scroll up and then you would seal the edges with clay and then you would punch your signet ring into the seal uh, showing who it came from and um, then that way... If it got to the person that it was addressed to and the seal had been broken, then you'd know it might have been tampered with. But they would also know it came from you and that it was just for them. All right? So now the next question is, whose name is on this? Um, well, first of all, you'd have to be able to read Hebrew. Um, but, you know, this is, the name on this seal is Hezekiah. This is the seal that was taken off of that was once upon a time attached to a document that he wrote or that he ordered to be written uh, and some decree or some special order or something from King Hezekiah and it went somewhere and somebody read it. I have no idea what it was. It might have just been uh, ordering a bunch of cows uh, because we don't know, we don't have the document anymore. But this, and it turns out that in and around Jerusalem in a in a, a basically a garbage dump outside the southern wall of 
the Temple Mount down in the city of David, which is another neighborhood, there's a big garbage dump uh, that um, over the last six or eight years has been harvested. It says it's just garbage. And what they do is they get great big screens uh, with fairly fine mesh because it's just all buried in dirt. And they start digging in the dirt, which is filled with old garbage, and then they, they put a big pile of dirt on it, and then they carefully just wash it and wash all the dirt away, and then they see what's left. And this was one of the things they found that was left. Uh, this was discovered back in 2015. Uh, they've, they've since found some more. Um, but so now t- tell me about this. You, it's, a, it's broken, um, which is kind of makes this even more interesting. But I will just tell you, it's, it's not a part of the scroll. It's, a part of, it's another one of those bulat things that, that sealed a scroll together. Except this, isn't, this one is not from King Hezekiah. The part of the lettering that you can read, and this was found, this was found back in January or February of this year from that same pile of stuff. Uh, honestly, they have piles of, they have big piles of dirt just sitting around in, in rooms everywhere that are still being harvested, that they're still finding stuff. And that this they found in, in January of 2018. And the name across there's, there's one complete name, and then there's a parcel. You can see over here on the left side, you see a letter, but you can also see that it's broken across the top. The name that is complete is Isaiah. The letter that you can, the two letters that you can read are the first two letters that could form the word prophet, as in Isaiah the prophet. But the last letter is missing. It broke off. So do we know for sure that this was uh, a seal set on a prophetic scroll that Isaiah sent? Um, Not 100% sure. But it was found, the place that it was found in this garbage dump is three feet away from the previous from, from the, the Hezekiah bullet. So they were, they were found uh, like one would be at this end of the table, the other was in this end of the table, just buried under about 40 feet of dirt. Uh, and uh, this is really cool. Y'all, do you think it's really cool? Yeah. Do you think that's really cool? Yes. Yeah, a signet, a signet ring from, from Pontius Pilate. Uh, so, that's right. Maybe his girlfriend. Maybe his girlfriend, she just like had it in a chain around her neck. Uh, but yeah, this, these little bitty things that are starting to turn up that just confirm that, you know, for years skeptics just say, well, the Bible's just made up. Well, apparently not exactly. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So, so we're going to talk about the book of Isaiah. We're going to talk about a particular piece of the book of Isaiah for the next, from, between now and Christmas. Isaiah wrote the book 
this between approximately 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. Uh, Isaiah was associated with several kings of Judah, but the most, he was most prominently connected with King Hezekiah, who uh, was able to resist an invasion by the Assyrians. The Assyrians came through the 700s. They wiped out Samaria. Uh, they, they, they wiped out um, the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and they got to Jerusalem, and with Isaiah's encouragement and some prophetic encouragement and some brilliant strategy, Hezekiah was able to outlast the Assyrian siege, and finally they went up and got home. Went home. One of the things that Hezekiah did was he commissioned the digging, uh, the excavation through solid rock of a tunnel from the Gihon Spring, which was outside the walls of Jerusalem, into what became the Pool of Siloam, inside the walls of Jerusalem, so that when when the siege from the Assyrians started, the Assyrians were not able to cut off water flowing into Jerusalem. And Peggy and I have gone through Hezekiah's tunnel, still there, still water in it, you know, uh, up to your knees, uh, carved out of solid rock uh, approximately 2,700 years ago. It's pretty snug, and you kind of have to go like this and watch your head. Uh, the, the interesting thing was Doug, some people started digging at this end and some people started digging at this end and, you, you know, geologists are able to... They, they somehow managed to meet in the middle even though they, neither one of them could see where they were going. Now, it's not like a straight line. It's like, boink, like this, like... But anyhow, that's, that was awesome. Uh, it's, the book of Isaiah is the longest book in the Bible with how many chapters? 66, 66 chapters, which is how many books are there in the Bible? 66. Isaiah has 66 chapters. And it referred to some scholars, by some scholars, as the fifth gospel because. Anybody? There's, it is just chock full of prophetic references to the coming of the Messiah. If Honestly, if you were only going to be marooned on the desert island with one book from the Old Testament, you would know almost all you needed to know about Jesus and the promise of the Messiah if you just had the book of Isaiah. Uh, and it has become a uh, kind of a moment of contention now in the modern era, era as Christians keep pointing to the, to the book of Isaiah as prophetic of the Messiah, and the Jews are, are using the same book to talk about the coming of the Messiah, but they keep saying... But the Messiah hasn't come yet, and the Christians are saying, "Yeah, but, but this, and but this over here, but but this, and um, so anyhow, it's just it's just a super powerful, powerful uh, picture of the promise that God's given us." And you know, there's uh, Laura in the book that she in in her her Advent reading today. Uh, just happens that the first Sunday of Advent is always usually taken from the book of Isaiah. And so this is uh, a, big, the, a big chunk of Isaiah chapter 9 where, where there's one of these promises. There's, there's already been a, a previous promise 
uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, where Isaiah says, Behold, a virgin will conceive, and she will bear a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel. Now, now the child comes back. The people in darkness who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And, uh, and this is referring to God. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase, increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as to men who rejoice when they divide the spoil. The gladness of harvest in those days. If you had a good harvest, that was a party. If you had a great harvest, it was celebration uh, night after night. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And celebration is when men uh, divide the spoil. If, if you're a part of a group of people who's dividing the spoil, what does that mean? You've, had, you've celebrated a great victory, a victory so awesome that there's now stuff, cool stuff, just piled around everywhere, like iPhones and Teslas and uh, what? Ferraris and whatever, piles of gold, whatever it is. All this stuff piled around. And, and not only did you win the battle, but you got cool stuff as a result. Woohoo! For you, God, you shall break the yoke of their burden and you'll break the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor as the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted war, warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel and for fire. So that's what happened to the, the, the defeated army. They, all their stuff got burned. All the stuff that we didn't want, that got burned up. Uh, and we are now celebrating. We're having an awesome power party. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God, you're so great. And here's how it's going to happen. For a child is, go, is going to be born to us. And a son will be given to us. And the government is going to rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no, no end to the increase of his government or peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. So look, this so this highlighted part in, in blue kind of summarizes for me. What, what is this? What is verse 7, the blue part? What does it say to you? What does it mean to you? What? Everlasting. Everlasting. Once he comes and sits on the throne, once he's been manifested and he takes his place, that's the end. That's the permanent final finish line. That's where it's all summed up. And, you know, you can read in, in Revelation chapter 21 or 22, you know, there's no more weeping, there's no more crying, there's no more death. There's no more pain. There's no more... None, all the oppression is gone. And it's forever. And I like this last verse. How is this going to happen? God's going to do it. And a zeal implies what? <clears throat> Urgent, passionate desire. Nothing's going to stop this. Nothing is going to stop this. Nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing his plan. Turn around and say, nothing's going to comp- uh, nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing his plan. Nothing is going to stop God from... James, nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing his plan for you. Amen? All right? Nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing his plan. There may be some t- times when there are detours and you're thinking, what the heck is God doing? Nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing this plan. His zeal 
We'll make this happen. I love this. I love this. I want some more of it. Uh, now, I actually heard this. I was at a pastor's retreat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's the first time I ever heard somebody say that actually the, God, the, the book of Isaiah is, should be called the fifth gospel. Uh, for all the reasons that we just covered, the, the, gospel, the book of Isaiah could be called the fifth gospel. But he also said that his teenage son came up to him not too long ago and said, Daddy, I hear you say all the time that Isaiah is the fifth gospel. Why do you say that? That's wrong. And his, and his father started explaining again, well, it's because of it's all these things about Jesus in it. And he said, I know that, I know that, but it can't be the fifth gospel. It has to be the first gospel because it came 700 years earlier. The, gospel, the, the book of Isaiah should be called the first gospel because here, here's the promise. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is Jesus. Jesus clearly proclaimed 700 years before Matthew, before Jesus was born, 750 or 760 years before the, the gospel of Matthew was written. This is the first gospel. There's incredible, amazing things you can learn about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. All right, uh, so I don't know if you, there's a certain symmetry to this passage. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. Four distinct references. How many days, how many Sundays are there in Advent? Well, it's four. Four Sundays before. So, we're going to talk about Wonderful Counselor. And then the next Sunday, we're going to talk about Mighty God and then Eternal Father and then Prince of Peace. And that's going to be our Advent theme. Is that cool? Isn't that cool how that works out? It's very so, um, so I just learned some amazing things. This is not going to take long uh, about this first phrase, Wonderful Counselor. It really is a wonderful name. It is a wonderful name. Wonderful comes from a Hebrew word that means beyond our understanding or comprehension. You know, there was a time when if something was a wonder, it meant what? You couldn't understand it. That's just a wonder. Or, or, or at least, I wonder as I wonder. It raises questions that you don't know the answer to. Wonder used to mean, oh my goodness, now what does wonderful mean? If you, if you say something is wonderful, what do you, what do you usually mean? Oh, isn't that cool? Isn't that not? Isn't that precious? I'm so happy for you. That's wonderful news. Isn't that good? It's it's a it's talking about I, when we say something's wonderful today. We usually talk about that. It's just a happy feeling. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I like it. I love it. It's wonderful. I want some more of it. Uh, so, but that's no. That's not what this word means in Hebrew. Now, uh, you understand that there aren't uh, punctuation marks in Hebrew. So we arbitrarily stick a 
uh, commas in certain places. And so usually in English translations, wonderful counselor uh, has a comma behind. But, but, so uh, it, it's done, it can, wonderful comma, counselor comma, but sometimes wonderful counselor comma. But you have to, no matter what Isaiah's intention was, you have to understand the power of both words. So wonderful really means, oh my goodness, what was that? What just happened? I never experienced anything like that in my life. What the heck was that? Years and years and years ago, gosh, this just popped into my head this morning. Uh, There was some sort of TV special. This was when our kids were small, like in elementary school. Uh, there was some sort of a network TV special over uh, all of the old 1950s books about space travel and aliens. And in the, in the middle of it was being emceed by Robin Williams. And then Robin Williams would make up commercials about things. And they, they would show a clip of one movie and then Robin Williams would come on and make up a commercial about something. And uh, whatever it was that he was selling, uh, he said, and blah, 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 and go out and Go out and, and buy it today. And now back to our feature presentation. What the heck was that? And that was an exclamation of wonder. God does things. God is something that we don't understand. God is an entity that's beyond our ability to comprehend. God has power. God has qualities. God, has, God is way beyond our ability to figure out or control or apprehend or get our arms around at all. And, and when we have encounters with him, they have this quality of, oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. That must have been, that must have been God because can't, you can't explain it any other way. Like James and I and this little thing that happened between us this morning where God was telling him something and then God was telling me at the same time and and the message got confirmed. Um, that, where did that come from? That came from God. What, what just happened? God just spoke. God just moved. And, and it leaves us saying, uh, oh my goodness, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. It must have been God. That's what this word means. Just to, it doesn't just mean, he's a really good counselor. And we will call his name pretty good counselor. Or we call his name Excellent Counselor. No, we call his name, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've never experienced anything like that before. Whew. All right. I'm humbled and I'm totally in awe. That's the impact of being in the presence of something truly biblically wonderful, means I am now completely humbled put in my place and I am completely in awe of the majesty the power the presence the goodness the faithfulness and the mercy of God totally did not see that coming how often do we experience God like that I mean how often honestly do we have these uh, I don't know what just happened but it was amazing 
where you have to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, you're not going to believe what God just did. It must have been God because it couldn't have been anything else. How often do we experience the wonderful, the wonder-inspiring, awe-inspiring, humbling encounters with God? No, even when we sing that song, what a wonderful name it is, it's just something... It's like, this is a nice song, and it makes us feel good singing it because he has a wonderful name, and it makes a great lyric. How often do we just driven to our knees? Ah. On your face. That's right. And we're not usually listening. We're usually talking. We're usually begging. We're usually groveling. Not just a wonderful name, but also a compelling, compelling name. So let's look at counselor. Now, so when you think of counselor, what do you think of? Yeah, think of Randy. Uh, there are certain people who have gifts of counseling, where we sit down and you, and you say something, and then the counselor says something, and then you say something back. And you know, How often do we go to counselors just so we can get them to take our side about stuff? Uh, and tell, tell me that it was the other person's fault. I don't want to get into that right now, but... Uh, what? Yeah, Perry. Okay, lawyers. Count, people who give legal advice and then stand up and re- represent you. That's also really good. Uh, counselors at law. Where it's, I'm a person and I'm here to try to, to... So that you can avail yourselves of the benefits of my knowledge. Uh, whether... T- t- to help you personally uh, solve a problem or maybe as a, as a lawyer or something like that. This, this word is different. It's based on a t- Hebrew word that refers to a particular type of wisdom. It's, it's wisdom, but, but not just your garden variety wisdom. There, you know, and it's not just about somebody who is you know, wise beyond their years. So, you know, honestly, w- wisdom means somebody who knows the difference between knowledge about how stuff works and how to do things on one hand, and the wisdom to know the right way and the right way, to, the right way and the right time to use knowledge. So a lot of people might have the knowledge to uh, replace the transmission. Randy knows how to replace the transmission. Uh, so that's knowledge. Knowing uh, not to drive the car. 150 miles an hour everywhere you go with no transmission fluid in it. Uh, that, that, that's, that's knowledge without wisdom. There, wisdom means you've got information that's useful. I mean, knowledge means you have information that's correct. Wisdom means knowing how to apply it in your way, in your life, in a way that's helpful and redemptive and beneficial. All right? That's when we say wisdom, that's usually what we mean. But... This word is bigger than that. It's referring to the wisdom and the authority of a king who makes decisions and takes actions that change history. This, this specifically, this word in Hebrew specifically is connected to the knowledge and the, the choices and the decisions that a king makes that are life-changing, that are historic, that... Um, 
or the difference between life and death in some cases, in, in battle, uh, in politics, in economics, uh, in setting up and, and enforcing laws that are historic, that are life-changing. So when we find out that this child is going to be called Wonderful Counselor or even Wonderful Counselor, it's not just a cool guy who knows stuff. And he's going to be, a child's going to be born to us, the government's going to be on his shoulders, and he's going to be really cool and really smart. No. That's, that's not what this means. And his name shall be called the king who makes decisions to take actions that change history. And oh my goodness, what was that? What just happened? I've never experienced anything like that in my life and I'm totally humbled and totally in awe. That's what the name Wonderful Counselor means. And so when you encounter Jesus, not just once or twice, when you encounter Jesus the way God defines him in this prophecy, you are going to encounter somebody, you are encountering somebody, you are living and walking and being loved and sustained and delivered by the king who is making decisions and taking actions that are going to change the history in your life and leave you saying, I never saw that coming. I never believed. I I had given up hope a long time ago. I just didn't have any idea that God was like this. I didn't have any idea that God was this, not only powerful, not only merciful, not only gracious, not only loving, but all of that rolled up into one. And that he used all of that He brought all of that, all those characteristics into my life in a way that took me totally by surprise. I just didn't have any idea that's who I was dealing with. This is the kind of Savior the world needs today. This is the kind of Savior that God promised us 2,700 years years ago by that guy who stuck his signet ring into that glob of clay that was dug up in January. This is the kind of savior that you need right now. Let's pray. Oh, merciful Jesus. I want you to just, I know right now that there's, there is something that God wants to do in your life. I mean, he's doing it, but in some ways you're dragging your feet over it because you don't understand it. As if you could understand. When's the last time you really ever understood any wonderful characteristic of God? Never. Right now, God is working in an area of your life And he is about to do something wonderful and life-changing. He is about to surprise you. the, The plot of your life is about to get a twist. 
because God is the master of plot device, plot twist devices. And he's ready. He's working to do that in your life right now. And, and probably the way you know this, that you're dealing with something like that is because you're looking at a brick wall and you don't know how to get around it. And it looks like the end or you're just too tired to try anymore. God's getting ready to surprise you and to rewrite your history. You only have to do one thing. You need to pray this prayer. It's very simple. Yes, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Can we pray that together? Yes, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Come, Lord Jesus, finish the work that you started in us. We ask it in your name. Amen.